We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become the new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes. Stay tuned for why we love using Zencaster for the podcast. Are you looking to start your journey in podcasting but not sure how? Kangaroo Firm Media Lab got you covered. Everything you need to know in launching and growing your podcast is here. Book a call now at kangaroofirm.com. By the way, I just released my ebook, Harness the Power of Podcasting. To get a free copy, just go over to mikosantos.co slash free book. That is M-I-K-O-S-A-N-T-O-S dot C-O slash free book. This podcast is brought to you by Kangaroo Fern Productions, Australia's independent podcast management. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com slash book now. A Kangaroo Fern Production. The world is very forgiving of what you do. So here's, here's the thing. I did not learn any of this when I started episode one of my very first show. I wasn't like, hey, let me find an, uh, a, a podcast to, to give me an idea of the industry before I dive into it. No, no, no. I had my interest. I had my, the desire to. I had my script, which is my story. And I had a microphone. And I just talked into it. That, that was it. I did not think about, oh, will I be judged? Or will I be canceled? Or will someone hate me for you know, pushing this story out? The world was quite forgiving the very first time I released my first episode. Mastery is not done in the, at first step. Mastery is done over time. It is a gradual process. And podcasting in itself is a gradual process. If you can understand that, if you can embody that, then you will do perfectly well as a podcaster within Asia, as well as a podcaster in general. Because uh, you know, if you, even if you're trying to tackle a specific market, for example, you're still going to get listeners all around the world. So you will do just fine. Hello, Team Podcaster. It's another episode of that podcast exchange and for this episode we're talking about the podcasting ecosystem on an asian market so asian podcasting scene and of course who who knows everything about asian podcasting our guest for today is norman shella so he has been in on Asian podcasting scene for uh, quite some time now. So he is the chief of business development of Renegade Radio and, of course, the host of Pod Lovers Asia. Please welcome Norman Chela. Welcome to the show, Norman. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, and thank you for inviting me on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. So the last time I spoke to you and I invited you to the podcast uh, summit, that's in April, yeah. that's a long, long time ago. And um, now invited you again for the for my podcast show. So you have a podcast. I think you have six podcasts that you in your belt right now. So there's... There is um, Pod Lover Asia. There's a Tempered Fables. Uh, this is Norm and Anti Fool. 
Can you tell me how it all started that you love podcasting? I would say it's sort of a recent thing um, when compared to the rest of my like my life or something like that. Um, I started in 2017. Um, I have a hobby of writing short story fiction uh, on the side, just like you know fantasy stuff or or sci-fi stuff. Um, and I started writing short stories on Quora, which is the you know the question and answer website. Um, so any question that comes up, I rather answer it in a very fun way, like a very narrative format. And I wanted to challenge myself, so um, I started to write these answers this way. And at the same time, I started going to um, prose and poetry meetups where people are, you know, performing or expressing poetry, etc. On one of these meetups, someone shared a podcast episode. They they just played it uh, on their phone, and it was probably 10 minutes of the most beautiful audio I've ever heard in my life. It's, I still remember it up until now. It's still my favorite episode of all time. Um, it is the um, Dreamland episode from the show Memory Palace made by Nate DeMeo. So I didn't think that uh, a podcast can make me feel that way. I didn't never had that kind of experience before. And I've heard of the word podcast, but I didn't really care for it that much. I just thought that it was just some kind of like show with like people just talking over on a microphone, almost like radio. But we we know how different it is right now. Um, so at one point in time, there was a short story writing competition that came up and I wanted to write a story. But when I wrote the story on the last day, I backed out. I didn't actually send it in. I was just scared or afraid or ashamed or something like that. But it was such a waste to write this thing for the competition, but I ended up not publishing anything. And I thought of the image of someone reading like a storybook or um, a fable and making voices and making sound effects. And there's like a huddle of group of people um, as they're sitting by the campfire and they're listening to someone tell the story. And I wanted to emulate that for this story. So I made my first podcast episode. I just, you know, I bought a Blue Yeti, just like every beginner podcaster would. I bought the most popular microphone at the time. I brought it with me to the office at like 6 a.m. And I started recording and learning how to do like audio editing. And that's the first episode of Tempered Fables, which is one of the shows that you mentioned. Um, so that became my foray into the world of podcasting. But then years in, I was worried about things like, oh, what's happening in Asia? Because most of the time we're listening to shows from the US, the UK, Australia, um, mainly Western shows, pr pretty much, if you just want to generalize it that way. And I wanted to know what is the local scene there. So I expanded my repertoire of shows from narrative shows or just for fun ideas into conversational shows, into interviews, into deep dives and analyses of the ecosystem. And I guess that's where I, I guess that's where I am right now because my curiosity and my almost frustration with the lack of coverage around me has led me to picking up another show idea and then launching that show and then continuing that show and then interviewing more and more people, understanding their side of podcasting, understanding their side of whatever the show is about. Um, and, you know, that show was uh, Pot Lovers Asia is focusing on podcasting. And then Anti-Fool uh, is focusing on what I call building my own textbook of the world. So how can I comprehend it? Um, 
and there's other shows as well coming in. So yeah, that's that's where I am. I, I'll to answer your question. No, uh, podcasting is not a natural thing. It, it just actually it just became the easiest form of expression for me. But it just came in at the right time. So that's where I am right now. All right, thank you, Norman. So I was I, spoke, I was talking to uh, James Cridland the other day for another for other for another episode of the podcast exchange, and he said that nowadays it's not all about the English language. Now there's a different um, language that is more getting more higher on the podcasting instead instead of English only. He also said that, like India, it's getting bigger in podcasting. So you don't need and and he said Hindi is one of the biggest now language in podcasting. Oh, what what is your opinion about that as well, Norman? I would say I would say it's definitely up there. I'm not sure if it's the second largest after English. I'm I would like to challenge that, but maybe James has better data than I do. But I mean, I can totally look that up later because I was thinking Spanish would be the biggest after English. Um, but in particular to Hindi, the thing is the Indian podcast market is huge, and it's it's a bit it's a bit deceiving to hear something like this because you're only hearing it as all of it comes from one country. Whenever we think about podcasting ecosystems, we think about, oh, um, the US market or, oh, the UK market or, oh, if I want to tackle the French podcasting market, I go to France, right? So you assume in relation to other countries, this one country that's majority French may constitute a large percentage of the French podcasting market. And because it's only within one country, you think, okay, it's probably not as big as other languages. But the thing is, India is a huge country. We're talking about 1 billion plus people. And not only that, so many different languages, cultures stem from India that I'm not surprised that Hindi is going to be, or already is, the second largest after uh, English. And even more so, now that I'm thinking about it, the more that I'm trying to uh, articulate this, probably the only reason why Hindi is the second largest at this point is because English has been already at the forefront of the development of podcasting as a medium because we've only started podcasting very recently, 2004, 2005. And then from 04, 05, um, that technology has spread across the world, but in small points. But South Korea has you know, looked at that technology and now they have a stable podcasting market. The Korean podcasting market is just huge uh, in South Korea. Uh, in comparison, um, India has this amazingly large population that is very receptive to audio as a medium of consumption. So in one of the conversations that I had in Polyverse Asia, it was with uh, Abhishek Bakshi, who is also another analyst uh, of the podcasting market, but he focuses mainly on India. So we were going back and forth on this. I I'd like to say just from stemming from that conversation and from what James is saying here, Hindi, the, the Hindi podcasting market is up there and it's probably going to stay up there just because everybody's adopting it. The, the medium at a super fast rate in India. All right. Thank you for that. So what is, because you are focusing on our, our Asian ecosystem on podcasting, what is 
trending right now in in Asian market, especially in Asian region, or uh, in relation with podcasting? Is there any new platform, new opportunities, or new revenues for the Asian um, market? We'd have to define new here. When we say new within the the podcasting space, we have to say new within the Asian podcasting space. When we see or compare these uh, these ideas, these innovations uh, in relation to other markets, it's not that new. And I'll, I'll try to explain this in greater detail. So there has been an uptrend in developments for monetizing podcasts, but at a smaller scale. This is because one of the reasons why trying to define the Asian podcasting ecosystem is difficult is because each country has their own specific needs, specific wants, specific cultures, specific subcultures. Some countries have mixed cultures, like Malaysia, that's an example, right? Uh, or uh, Singapore or Indonesia, um, while others have greater synergy with, say, um, their broadcasting laws or their regulations or their need to uptick or or bring in more and more potential listeners, how can we access them depending on the, the penetration rate of technology within that country? So these are some examples that hinder uh, these things, which means that we want to test a new idea in the Asian podcasting space or even any podcasting space. You have to look at what's happening over there, what's worked, what doesn't work, and uh, what references outside of this context uh, can we can we analyze so that we can be reassured that trying this out is okay? Like it's not that much of a waste of time. That being said, it's very difficult to do so. But some of the trends I've noticed are that when a show gains a minimum number or a minimum traction in being able to monetize the show, being able to stay sustain the show. And when I say sustain, I mean the cost of upkeeping the show is uh, equaled or canceled by revenue or um, or that it is enough that you're able to outsource it to a production company or something like that. This is, I think, on the uprise here in Asia, especially in the ASEAN region, so the Southeast Asia region, at a smaller scale. And in when I say scale, I mean numbers, at smaller numbers than in other regions, like in, in Western markets. What do I mean by this? When we look at what is considered a monetizable show, most of the time we speak of three to four digits of unique listens per episode. Things like, oh, 5,000 listens per episode or something like that. That's a, like a minimum critical mass number of listeners who you may consider be large enough to be like, oh, we can make money if we advertise something. In Asia, there is a trend in lowering that number to pick up more shows to support. So if you are a podcaster, you might be looking at 500 listens per episode, 1,000, 2,000. And that is more than enough for companies within Asia to consider you a prime channel to uh, advertise their products or advertise their services. So I would say it's a very strange trend because it's like we are aware that the ecosystem is not, is not uniform across these countries. But because they are not uniform, it means that we are more forgiving of the scale and the size of each podcast. So we're able to test and experiment with each of these business models. Yeah, so 
like to to summarize what I've just well, well, before I ramble on uh, to summarize what I'm just saying is that smaller shows are picking up in terms of success in terms of revenue. Uh, but don't expect similar numbers to Western markets. We'll have to start like experimenting on different models at smaller scales and at smaller experimental timeframes so that we can see the natural response of listeners within that country specifically. Because that second part there, that response of the market of, of, uh, of demand within each country is very, very unique to each and every country. And even I don't know all of that. Oh, that's that's interesting, Norman. So it's an opposite from the Western, because usually the Western you have to yeah. be more downloads so that you can get yes. more more revenue. But on our on on our end on the Asian market, it's not on on the downloads. But it's is that because of also the content as well? So the the advertisers are looking on the quality of the content aside from the minimal download. Yeah. So I I would. No, I cannot give you an absolute answer, but I would like to agree with that. And this is mainly because when when looking at or theorizing a podcasting market in relation to the content available, the of course, the largest language market is the English language market. There's just like a bajillion genres, ideas, and shows for everybody, right? For maybe there's even uh, an interview show just about chairs or something, right? That's just, that's amazing, right? That's you you have a, a full spectrum of creativity to be allowed for for a show. We don't know if this can be replicated in Malay or Hindi or um, or Telugu right, or Tagalog. We we're not sure. We also don't know that even if you have these shows replicated into these genres and put into this this culture and this language, that you'll get the same response. The same people who might be interested in a podcast about fishing in English may not necessarily have the same behaviors as someone who may be doing the same thing or interested in the same thing in Malay or in Bahasa Indonesia. In English, people are very, very forgiving of what kind of content is available. But in Asian countries, what I've noticed at least, and this is maybe akin to the fact that we're still technically early, but it's still exponentially rising, the shows that are picking up really well right now, the non-English language shows, they do the job of convincing someone to be introduced to the world of podcasting, that's one, and two, be convinced to listen to their show about something that they resonate with. So if a Malay listener just hears about podcasting for the first time, they would first want to listen to a show that is resonating with their current lifestyle, their current way of thinking, their default. They find shows that they resonate with, which means that all of the available ideas or shows within each and every language, if you start looking, it will be heavily related to the culture that it is born in. That being said, that sounds quite obvious, but the thing is, podcasting as a medium is very, it's very liberal and accepting in terms of what ideas are, uh, uh, are allowed or what ideas will thrive, which is hard when <laughs> you want to think about, say, okay, I'm a podcaster in this specific country. What um, what ideas work the best in, say, um, a country like Thailand? I'm not sure. Maybe I need to speak native Thai. I need to start listening into other Thai shows. And even then, would they resonate with my show idea? I don't know. These content, the the 
the most successful show ideas in Asian countries work in direct parallel with the cultures that they are aimed at. This is almost like niching for the creator, except that you, you, and you know this as well because you're a podcaster as well. You as a show creator, you can pivot anytime you want. You can broaden anytime you want. You can narrow down anytime you want. That's why the mission of the show is so important, but the content itself is the pull that will attract those of a specific culture, those of a specific audience, but the mission should be parallel to the culture that you are trying to penetrate into. Um, that's a very long-winded answer of saying that if you have culture-specific shows, you may not get the same level of listens as, say, shows in other countries, but you would get the greater, you would get more loyal listeners. That's what I believe. That's a great insight. So the other question I have in, on on the Asian Asian the podcasting ecosystem as well. On, yeah. on your studying about the Asian podcasting, have you heard anything about like censorship on podcasting in some several Asian country? Is that an issue as well? It's a very great question. The thing is, I have seen episodes that have resulted in creators caught under fire because they've said something. Um, it is not because uh, it, it, it's, a, it's some case, like multiple cases where um, someone has said something very, very inappropriate. And then that has put the show on the limelight in a very negative fashion uh, covered by media publications within that, within that country. I'm not going to name any names, but this person has said something really bad about uh, a public figure make a politician or something like that within the country. And that was listened to, that was reported. And then the show had to issue a public apology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a very minimal, that's a very minimal, shall we say, influence of potential information control. However, I have seen cases, not only limited to Asia, but also in other regions where, where, um, where not necessarily censorship, but, things like arrests or things like actions taken against the creators have been justified because of what has been said and published in an episode. I'm not too sure about uh, some uh, Asian countries where there may be a little bit more freeing in terms of, uh, in terms of, your, in terms of your freedom of speech. But in, for example, in Malaysia, it's quite conservative um, in, in its culture. So if you want to speak out to say about the government or if you want to speak about public figures, et cetera, yet you do have to be very careful. This is not even, this is not even related to just podcasting. This is more on, um, this is more on to what extent will you as a podcaster take into consideration the governance of the environment that you're trying to penetrate into? We have some bloggers that have got taken down and maybe even jailed because of what they've spoken out. We've had some independent publications that have said critical things, but they didn't insult anything. It's just a critical discussion, but they have had actions taken against them. Podcasting is not excluded from this. It is possible that censorship still plays a part when you are a podcaster trying to gain an audience within an Asian country. I'll leave it at that uh, for now um, because I'd rather not discourage someone from thinking, oh, uh, I should not. I should not say this because I might get taken down. No, no. What I'm trying to say here is it is prevalent. 
it is present, but that means that you should treat your voice, your message a little bit more professionally so that you're able to express your mission, even if it's a controversial one, in a way where it does not take your position away or give someone the chance to take action against you because you still need to get your message out there. And I've seen this happen multiple times and they're doing very, very well in places like Nepal, in places like Philippines, in places like Japan. Thank you so much. That was a, a great, insightful um, explanation, uh, Norman. So do you think is podcasting is oversaturated in Asia or just not yet? Oversaturated. No, no, no. It's completely undersaturated. Like this is like the most diluted ever uh, I've ever seen. I'm still like walking around the city in KL and I'm talking to someone about podcasting. They're like, oh, isn't that just radio? Like the, the amount of the amount of podcast literacy in Asian countries is still very little compared to other uh, other countries around the world. That being said, there are countries in Asia that that are that have podcasts so ingrained into their culture of consuming content that they're going to be perfectly fine. I mean, like South Korea is already the highest at 58% listenership rate, um, the highest more than the US, more than any other country in the world, because they've been podcasting since 2005. Like, that's insane. You don't, you, you could just go to like Busan or Seoul and just say podcast. People will be like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Or you can go to India, right? India, I'm sure just a whole variety of podcasts there, both in English as well as in local languages. But in, um, in say, Southeast Asian countries, it's going to be a hit or miss if you're going to start talking to someone about podcasts. And even if, you, even if they do know, they might, not, they might not know local podcasts. They might know like American podcasts or the podcasts that are created by high-level production studios that are just, you know, um, they're all overseas. So it's going to be very hard for them to look at what's happening here. Now, to talk about saturation, I would say no, mainly because from a financial standpoint, there's still there's still opportunities for companies who are trying to get into the podcast advertising pie or um, the available demand for local language content or podcasts rather by hungry listeners because listeners are not going to be statically they're not stuck at one show once they just start listening to podcasts. They're always eager to listen to others. That's why we have podcasters collaborating with each other all the time. In terms of the future for, for like saturation, et cetera, the only way where a show, or sorry, the only way a podcasting market within Asia will get saturated is when all of the resources pulled into other mediums are taken out from there and then just put into podcasting. But that is very, very highly unlikely because when we talk about saturation to the podcast market, that saturation, the word saturation is contextual. It sounds like it's bad. There's a negative connotation to it. But we have like, what, 2.5 million shows worldwide right now? It's even, in, even then, it's not, that's not saturated at all. Like globally speaking, Podcasting is not saturated at all compared to other things, right? We have 2.5 million shows. How many blogs are there? How many YouTube channels are there? How many radio shows are out there? These are all mediums. We're comparing medium to medium. And in Asia, to be honest, we are not 
oversaturated. We are hungry for more shows built uh, in built from a local perspective. All right, thank you for that. So you mentioned YouTube, um, Norman. What is your yeah. opinion on? Because a lot of content creator in YouTube is going to in, into podcasting. Is that good for our? Is that good for for a podcaster like us that some YouTube creator go into an audio in via podcasting? I, I have mixed feelings about this, um, but I'm leaning more towards good. The rationale is that sometimes podcasters, we can be a little bit protective of what is considered the ideal podcast um, experience. And we've always known podcasting to be something that does not have any relation to video at all. It is a show that does not require you to stare at a screen for one hour or two hours as people are just doing exactly what we're doing right now. But you see my mouth, you see my face, and I'm just going, right? Like my mouth is just opening and closing. And then it's just synchronized with the audio that you could just listen in your headphones. In terms of YouTube, the relationship between YouTube and podcasts, it's a great timing because YouTube is already starting to hire people to set up like their podcasting arm. That's pretty awesome. Um, a lot of Asian YouTube content creators or YouTubers, essentially, they see this gateway into podcasting via their their um what they've built their body of work on youtube and that's great because they are introducing their audience into the medium of podcasting even if it even if it's not exactly the ideal way to do so but it's still a good way to expose people to the definition of podcasting so that we can normalize that word and make it a lot easier for people to one day once they've stopped looking at this YouTuber's videos or or uh, or shows, they're like, oh, you know, I like podcasting, but I'm tired of this person's stuff. Where can I? Where else can I go for podcasting? And they will find a whole genre, a whole variety of more shows uh, over time. So YouTubers coming into podcasting is always a good thing because that just means that people there will just be more listeners. There'll be more potential listeners, and we're not going to complain about more listeners <laughs> like there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that like i'm not going to be like hey you come in from youtube no no you're not allowed to listen to my show no that's just dumb no no that's just dumb um the my only my my only negative or my only disagreement with this gateway into uh podcasting via youtube is that sometimes and and i've actually had this experience with people uh here um, when I was like consulting them on like a podcast, some people think that podcasts are just YouTube shows. It's just a word to describe some videos on YouTube where people are talking. And that's to me a little bit lacking because if I were to try to find your YouTube show on Spotify, I can't because your feed is not on there. I can't listen to you while I'm taking a walk. I have to sit down in my laptop and then be like, oh, okay, I can finally listen. I must listen by staring at something. And of course, we have active listeners, but then the beauty of podcasting is that you can also passively listen. You can also listen while washing the dishes or or taking a walk or something like that. So there's that, there's that confusion happening. But then we also then have a duty to also inform people. Yes, podcasting is not just limited to YouTube. 
podcasting can exist and dissociate itself away from YouTube. And there's plenty more than just a, a video with audio onto it. So yeah, mixed, mixed feelings, mixed feelings. <laughs> All right, I agree with you. Um, do you think, and and on the future, probably in in five, three to five years time, there will be Asian podcasting ecosystem can be what happened to the Western um, space? Like you know, Spotify is buying Joe Rogan now. Spotify is buying Call Her Daddy by Alex Cooper. Do you think it's going to be happening in Asian as well? That's pretty funny that you brought up Spotify because they're already doing this. <laughs> They've already bought like, what was it? Six to seven exclusives in, in Indonesia. Um, the Indonesian podcasting market is very interesting because they love their horror. Like horror is like their best genre. So Spotify has looked at the market numbers and they're like, oh, okay, we're seeing people interested in this show, this show, this show, this show. Let's scoop them up, right? Let's just put them on our on our show. And um and looking at Spotify's activity is a great way to predict the future of Asian listener behavior, which is where we're supposed to look at when we're looking at ecosystems here, right? We want to look at where people are designed or trained to quench their thirst for a podcast by opening their phone, clicking any app, and then clicking on a show, and then listening. It could be Spotify, it could be anywhere else. Would you say three to five years? I I would say I would say four to five years. Um, but but to twist your to twist your question a little bit, it's not that it's not that we'll be seeing that. It's it's I think in three to five years we're, we'll be seeing more of the activity in more frequency, in greater frequency, because in India it's happening a lot. We're seeing a number of production houses. We're seeing a number of buyouts, um, definitely by Spotify. That's like Spotify is leading a lot of this. Uh, and at the same time, we're seeing more and more independent production houses. The reason why they're able to persist is that there is a demand. There are skilled talents that can collaborate and you know congregate together, and that they are able to maintain their integrity as a podcasting company within these countries that that you know you and I have been just been talking about for the past 20 30 minutes um that are still maybe not as absolute it's still a bit confusing it's still a bit gray people might still not know what a podcast is but they still try because they're all they're all believing in this prediction that yes more and more of these uh, will be in greater frequency um but i think something to think about instead of buyouts by spotify i think i'm more interested in potential investments like people actually injecting in money for a high production quality show. Um, people actually interested in creating something that's NPR level, but only fun in Singapore. NPR level, but only fun in South Korea. Maybe we'll find a very powerful, amazing show, but it's found within North Korea. That would be amazing. Like I would, I would totally listen to that because that's a one-of-a-kind experience and you're not going to find that in, say, US, UK, any Western market ever. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. We'll have to listen to that as well. So if you have the, if you have a billboard to write one piece of advice to all our listeners and to our audiences watching this video as well, what would you say to people who is looking to start their own podcast that is live in Asia? 
Is there a billboard? Do I have limits? Like, could I like <laughs> do a whole like spiel? I'm trying. I'm trying it's to up, think. It's like, up uh, to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, normally a billboard. Okay, well, components of a billboard is that it has to attract you immediately. You're a thriving podcaster. You want to make your name. You want to, you know, put your name down in the history of podcasting, especially within Asia. You want to make a mark. Um, these country-specific attributes, they're not hindrances. They are advantages unique to you building your show. Oh, I do have one. Um, it's not specifically podcasting, but let me twist it for, for this context. The world is very forgiving of what you do. So here's, here's the thing. I did not learn any of this when I started episode one of my very first show. I wasn't like, hey, let me find an, uh, a, a podcast to, to give me an idea of the industry before I dive into it. No, no, no. I had my interest. I had my, the desire to. I had my script, which is my story. And I had a microphone. And I just talked into it. That, that was it. I did not think about, oh, will I be judged? Or will I be canceled? Or will someone hate me for you know, pushing the story out? The world was quite forgiving the very first time I released my first episode. If you are a podcaster interested in tackling any Asian country, sometimes some of the fears that might come up when you're starting your first show, when you're like planning, may compel you to do things that do not actually help in publishing your first episode. Things like, oh, I don't know enough about um, the Philippines, so let me read everything about it before I start episode one. No. Most shows don't start off like that. Most shows start off flawed. When they start off flawed, their ability to accept the flaws in their show will compel them to publish more and more. Mastery is not done in the, at first step. Mastery is done over time. It is a gradual process. And podcasting in itself is a gradual process. If you can understand that, if you can embody that, then you will do perfectly well as a podcaster within Asia, as well as a podcaster in general. Because uh, you know, if you, even if you're trying to tackle a specific market, for example, you're still going to get listeners all around the world. So you will do just fine. People, listeners, creators, companies... Just people around the world, they will forgive you for the show that you're about to put out. So don't worry and just hit record. All right. That's a great advice. Uh, thank you so much, Norman. So if if someone wants to have want to connect with you online, how they can contact you? Yeah, sure. So there are two ways. Um, one is to uh Message me on Twitter. So I'm at Norman Chella. Um, I'll probably <laughs> send you the link for that. Uh, I'm quite active on there. Twitter is my Twitter is my game, basically. Um, although I'm not always talking about podcasting, I talk about other things as well, but I pretty much breathe this medium. So I'm actually ha very, very happy to talk there. But if you want to go into a deep dive, uh, a discovery call, um, want to test your ideas, I, you know, I provide discovery calls and, you know, podcast consulting calls for people. So you can just email me, uh, Norman at rngdr.com uh, and we can, you know, get, you know, if you need, you, you elevate your process there, your production, whatever, we've got a whole team to help you up. So just contact me that way. All right. Thank you so much, Norman. So all the links will be in the show notes. So please click 
it's above on the sub show notes subscription. So everything will there and and Norman is happy to have a chat with you, particularly on Twitter, which is I'm also loving the Twitter now. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, <laughs> Norman. Enjoy the rest of the day and thank you so much for another episode of Dot Podcast Exchange. And see you next week. See ya. All Bye. Right, thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Kangaroo Fern is Australia's independent video and podcast management agency with the mission to help individuals and entrepreneurs to start their own podcast and harness the power of podcasting. Book now via www.kangaroofern.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com